This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. Welcome to I Will Watch Anything Once. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to I Will Watch Anything Once. This is your host, Mark David Christensen. And Connie Shin. Yes. Um, we have a great episode for you. Uh, just as a reminder, you can help out all the great podcasts right here on Boardwalk Audio's network by clicking on that button in the top right corner on the website that says support our artists. It will direct you to Amazon.com and you can just do your normal shopping. We'll go to small kickback, but it costs you nothing to keep great programming in your ears. So... Before we get to this episode, we want to talk about a movie that came out this year that me and Connie have both seen. Separately. Separately. Did not see it together. Um, I saw it by lifting my, getting a lift and going to the Grove and seeing it alone. Mm-hmm. Um, next to two very like boisterous um, and actively vo- uh, vocal gay men that were next to me. They were, <laughs> sometimes they were entertaining and then sometimes I really was like, come on, not everything. Oh, not boy. Comment about everything, please. Oh, boy. Luckily, I, was, I still highly enjoyed the movie. And then Connie didn't hate the movie, but you felt... I just, I I literally texted you as I was walking out of the theater being like, am I insane or was this movie crazy uneven? Oh, did we mention what movie it is? Oh, we did not. It's uh, the it three, billboard three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah, with um, the wonderful Frances McDormand. And um, yeah, I was so looking forward to seeing this. And I go... And there's there's moments in this where it was just like they were trying to be funny, but it was just like, wait, what? It didn't fit. It felt wacky and weird. And it felt like a farce of a Coen Brothers movie, which I can see that. I think that's Martin McDonough's style in a sense is is, it lives in the same world as Coen Brothers. Mm -hmm. He's just different. He's a little more violent. Very more um, language wise, he's more crass. Um, I enjoyed it. I do understand. I think the shifts in tonal. I think for me, for some reason, they work. Mm-hmm. Uh, other the people, they don't. I I can't remember. I do think there's one thing that I agree with other people was the casting of Woody Harrelson's wife. That was distracting. Yeah, very distracting. I will hundred percent agree with. It was was, odd she, as was hell. she Irish? I think she was. I thought it was like a French accent or something, but I was just like, what the fuck is happening yeah, here? Yeah, she felt. Very very out of place. It was very um, out of place. I I was waiting for, like, because Woody Harrelson's character has two kids and a wife, and the wife is so intensely gorgeous. I was waiting for them to be like, ah, oh, too bad their biological mom is gone. Because I was like, yeah. there's no way she had these babies. Well, I, I just don't like that. I mean, that overall, I don't like those casting choices mm-hmm. that they do in general in Hollywood, where it's like, Woody Harrelson is like in his 60s. Yeah. And then she's in her like 30s. She's a year older than me. And I was like, stop doing that. That makes it's a choice that, especially for like rural Minnesota or Missouri, makes zero sense. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like if he was like, uh, uh, (laughs) I mean, maybe that's true in another place, but it just feels out of place. No, because no one, everyone else is casted for realness. Oh, it's only her. It feels like a very Hollywood choice that I'd be like, yeah, if you lived yeah. in LA, I'd expect you to have that dumb young wife. <laughs> no, because like everyone, I mean, what's his face from Deadwood is in this. 
Uh, oh God damn it! What's his name? John Earls. The no, 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 no. Uh, the one who played her husband. Yeah, isn't that John Earls? Whatever skinny dude. I don't think his last name's Earl. I thought it was. I can't remember. I'm messing this up. Our listeners are so um, mad right now. Yeah. They turned us off. The the very thin looking actor. He was in Deadwood. He was on Eastbound and Down. Uh, He was in uh, Martha Mary. Yeah, and he's he's also in uh, Me, Myself, and I. I'm not me, myself, and I. <laughs> Jim Carrey movie. Uh, me, myself, me, you, and, and Irene. I, yeah, yeah. No. Uh, he was the albino he forgot yeah, picking up. Yeah, what the hell am I talking about? <laughs> no, no, no. I know what you're talking he's about. In, uh, you, me, and everyone we know. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, the, yeah, he's yeah. the husband in that. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, my gosh. God, this is going to bother me. I'm a big fan of his. Uh, it's gonna bother me. He was in Winter's too. Bone. Yeah, Winter's Bone. We, I, we can name all of his movies. We can't name his goddamn name. Yeah, I feel bad for him right John, now. John, it's John, John something. You be your um. Oh boy, but like, uh, but, but yeah, yeah. I mean, we gotta get we yeah gotta, because like everyone else is cast for like like a real yeah, character yeah, yeah. looking actor. I mean, what's his face from Game of Thrones is in this? Yeah, uh, which who's from Game of Thrones? Huh? Which one's from Game of Thrones? Uh, Tyrion. That's not Tyrion, the young kid that gets thrown out the window. Peter Dinklage is in this. Oh, Peter Dinklage. I'm such an idiot. What? But he's used him. I'm (laughs) such an idiot right now. This is the worst intro ever (laughs) to this episode. (laughs) I don't know why I couldn't think of Tyrion. Um, It's Peter Dinklage. I don't. I, I don't know why I couldn't remember Peter Dinklage. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, there's like a ton of stars that are known for playing very character actory roles. Right. And. Then there's this woman who looks like she stepped out of a perfume ad. It's insane. Yeah. It's she's even stands out worse than like the husband's young teenage girlfriend. Oh, like yeah. she even felt more in yeah. place. Oh, she felt so sitcommy and weird. Like they made her the okay. So I liked her character. I I understand what you why you disliked her, but I like her for that. I think she's dumb, young, and like I don't know. I liked it. She was too dumb, though. John Hawks. I didn't find her dumb. I found that she talked dumb, but she his had his name's of... John Hawks. Yeah, John Hawks. That's his name. Okay. I don't know why... Okay, but um, yeah, I felt like okay. So she's supposed to. Okay, John Hawks left Francis McDormand, and he's dating like some young bimbo now. But the thing is, like, she was too dumb. It was like I, see, I didn't see her as dumb. I didn't even see her as a bimbo. She worked at the zoo because she was like she knew what she was talking about. She didn't though. She'd be like, oh yeah, like she would answer. Questions I do think like that, that maybe it's a b- dumb choice for the vote. Locally made like that choice of mm-hmm. playing it like that airy yeah. way. Yeah. But um it was I was like, if you're trying to do something funny, I'm like, you're going about it in a weird way. I think in McDonough, I would argue it hasn't really aged well his point of view with the times. But it, it felt like okay. It felt know, like Francis this some, character is so great. Some okay. Uh, it felt like someone wrote a Cohen Brothers script and then said, We need funny moments. Oh, let's go to someone from Second City to punch up these funny moments. And it's like, it, it feels the tone. Is I, I 100% left. disagree with you on that, but oh, I got to let you have it. <laughs> I'll let you have it, but I don't agree with you at all. No, there's a couple. Because I don't think they're that big. Sam Rockwell's character is. I like, love Sam Rockwell in this movie. His character was insane. That, that's what I thought it was great about him, but not in a good way. It was he was too dumb. He was too dumb. I didn't find. I found him great. He I was, didn't find him too dumb. He was too dumb. I thought he was a monster. And he, I liked it. He was a monster, but it was 
it was a little too drooly from the mouth. It was because he was in a he was a monster in the, the Green Mile, but it was like I it, would say he's way more over the top in Green Mile than in this. No, I this one feels too jokey for the movie. It felt too. I think that's just Martin McDonough, and I think that his sense of humor will work sometimes. Sometimes I think there's a joke here and there that doesn't land, but that is Martin McDonough, his weird tonal thing of like incorporating the two. It's that he's bringing, it's not realism. It's bringing, it's very, I think sometimes his stuff that's on Mm -hmm. screen doesn't Mm -hmm. work because it works better for him when it's on stage in his plays. Okay. This might've worked on stage, but on, on screen, I was like, this is a crazy choice. I liked it. But there's one thing I don't think anybody's talking about that was probably one of the worst parts of this movie. What? Was that deer scene and how bad this this green screen was. It's so bit terrible. For a big budget movie, I was like, what in the hell are they thinking? I mean, she she was having her... There's a couple of moments like that in movies. In the movie The Queen, she has literally the same moment. Yeah, with the deer. Yeah, like she's crying and then all of a sudden a deer appears as a sign of... It's in Stand By Me. Sure, I'm fine with the scene itself. I just thought visually. Oh yeah, it was very, it was, it was very, very green screen. Well, I, like, I mean, it, what's funny is that watching how uh, glitchy the green screen was, it made me think, oh, deer are dangerous. <laughs> yeah, deer yeah. are dangerous. Yeah. Oh, oh, Frances McDormand, her character, I love, love her. I thought her character was a little flat in this. It was a little too. Uh I don't see it, but <laughs> I just we can only disagree. We can only we're, agree we're, to disagree. We are on different parts of we're the We're on crayon. different planes with the movie. Yeah, but that's yeah. what makes us great. Yes. But enough <laughs> of this movie. Let's get to our great episode this week. Uh, we watched a very delightful um, movie, one that we actually agreed on, mm-hmm. <laughs> and with our wonderful guest Tim Greer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just I'm just joshing you. Hi, welcome to another episode of I Will Watch Anything Once. I'm your host, uh, Connie Shin, with your other host, Mark David Christensen. And if you really wanted to Josh me, you would have been all right. Is what you would have said. I, say that I knew every there, time. I knew there was a catchphrase I was missing. <laughs> uh, we have a fun one today. We have my roommate here as a special guest. Tim Greer. Hi, Tim. Hello. Hi. And I know Tim uh, before he was your roommate. Oh. Yes. Uh, we have a history going back of actually. Tim, did we meet in musical improv class? I don't or before think so, that? but I think we, I think that's may have been the first class we had. Right. And that's probably like, time. it's probably when our like our friendship started, right? Yeah. Um, those were really fun classes. We took uh, Eliza Skinner's. Oh, yeah. Were you in, were you in just. Were you in both classes of mine or just one? I did both classes, but I can't remember if you were in the second one or not. Uh, okay. I took a workshop for her, so then I ended up taking two of her classes. Because I took the workshop because it was a one-day thing, because I'm terrified of sk- singing. Still, even after those really? classes and doing it. Because I don't think I have a, I don't think I can hear music properly, to be honest. And then I took the workshop because I was like, I just want to face a fear. And I think that since I love improv, I'll face my fear by singing and improv. Because I don't have to worry about really getting the song right 
That, that seems fair, but like you were also like, I mean, you are really, really good at it. Though, oh, I so. should get back into it. <laughs> I should. Maybe too. I should I've just been... treat it like a hobby. Let's all do it. <laughs> that's great. But that was, that's a side note. That's not why we're here to talk. Um, I just we have good history, Tim. Is all I want the listeners to know. Uh, <laughs> why are we here? What did what did we watch, Connie? Oh, we watched a Streisand movie. <laughs> um, maybe the most Streisand of Streisand movies. Movies. Um, uh, What's up, Doc? From 1972. Not a musical, but no. there's some there's songs in it, right? There are two songs. I yeah. mean, she sings over the opening credits, and then yeah. they use uh, as time goes by later on in the movie. Right. Okay. It's just, but it's not a musical. It's more of like a, a movie with a song sung during it. Yeah. Um, hmm. Tim. Yes. Before we get into like. Uh, jump into like actual conversation about our first impression of this movie. Cause I don't, this, you haven't seen this either. No, before. no. Both me and Connie had not previously seen this. I before. knew nothing about this movie. I nothing know at all. Either. That's awesome. There's only one scene. We'll get to that where I had seen it on TV and I still, and I, there's a joke in it. That I love, but I had only seen that scene, not the movie. Um, but before we jump into our uh, getting into like our impressions of it and how, how we enjoyed it, Tim, for the listeners out there that have maybe never seen the movie or somebody just needs a refresher, um, give us a, a little quick synopsis of what we watched tonight. Oh, well, uh, What's Up, Doc? is from 1972. It, uh, I chose it because it was kind of a, a special movie for me. Jumping the gun on my question. But, sorry, yeah, no, I won't, I won't jump ahead. <laughs> to, to synopsize the movie, it's... Um, it's a throwback to the screwball comedies of the 30s. Um, so it basically takes the plot of a young woman is usually the, the lead character in those movies. And uh, in her pursuit of love, she will do whatever it takes to get what she wants. And so basically it becomes a series of misadventures as she like goes in pursuit of Ryan O'Neill in this case. Great. I think that's perfect synopsis. That's what definitely, that's what we watched. Love it. Yeah. Um, now you were answering the question we were going to ask you. Sorry. Well, oh, I, you don't have to apologize. I'm just, you know, he's just joshing you. Just joshing Josh you. Connie started joshing me. I gotta, I gotta spread the joshing. Oh, now we're all joshed. Okay. <laughs> uh, why did, why did you choose this movie for us to watch? Why did I choose this why movie? Why did you want us to see it? You would think it was because it was a Streisand movie, but I'm actually not like a giant fan of hers as much as I am of this movie. You have been telling us that, even though you corrected my spelling that I, you know, I, there's only, incorrect. there's only, it's B A R B R A. That's it. <laughs> she took out one of the A's. Um, did she really? She yeah, did. it's not Barbara. It's Barbara. It's Barbara. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. No, I think it's it's smart. It's <laughs> as important to know as that Warner Brothers is always Warner B R O S. Period. Never spell out brothers. Wow. Yeah. Um, anyway, this is the first movie I remember seeing in a movie theater when I was a kid. Like that was not a Disney movie. Like Disney movies are all kind of this like constant background noise of my childhood but i remember ex explicitly seeing this film and thinking this is a grown-up movie because adults are talking and there aren't any kids in it at all 
And I love it. I love a world with no kids in it. And I'm like, what, five at the time? And I was like, <laughs> oh my this God. is the world that I was born to live in. <laughs> a kid that didn't want to be a kid. Yeah. I, I mean, that's to, sort of I want to be Barbara Streisand. Are you kidding? Oh, I love it. <laughs> that's great. That, that is fascinating because this movie primarily takes place in a hotel. Yeah. It, it expands itself. But I think itself. that's an adult, like... Like thing for a kid to imagine, I think, because remember, like the first time he was a kid went to a hotel. I guess you it thought does. It was yeah. so incredible. Mm-hmm. Right? In your mind as a child, you're like, "Well, they're taking care of everything. I don't have to make my bed. I don't have to do this. They mm-hmm. clean it when we leave." Like that's like a fantasy thing as a kid. Like as an adult, I'll, I'll do that all the time. Mm. Yeah. No. And and it only occurred to me just now, saying it out loud, that there actually are no children in this movie. Yeah. Like, yeah, not even extras. There's not. There's no extras. There's no like crying baby at any point that has to be dealt with. Mm, the closest you come to, to that is the with. imaginary baby that she makes up. So they'll leave the food outside. Oh yeah, her room. that she refers to as yeah. the little one. Interesting. So I maybe, love it. Maybe that did like actually appeal to me on some level. It's like, oh, this is a world I want to live in. Well, right from the get go, this movie is weirdly very fabulous. It's so well, stylized. Yeah. yeah. Well, I would say, is it stylized or is it just of its, it was the style of its time? I want to say both. Because like, uh, oh, dot, somebody's coming home. Oh, okay. We're coming down the hall. We'll just keep talking. I'll let, uh, who cares? <laughs> That's part of the podcast, dot. So, mm-hmm. dot. Sorry, listeners, for me yelling into the microphone. Dot's just I don't being know a if anybody's dog. coming home, but she'll bark when people What's come. What's up, Dot? Uh, great. So go ahead. You were saying that, that oh, you yeah. think it's a, um, it's a combination. Because yes, I do agree. Like there are things that are designed. Uh-huh. Like the hotel is clearly a set piece. Yeah, it's designed to look a certain way. Yes. Um, there's a, there's a home in it that we go to for a party. But it's just straight from the opening credits. That opens with a book, and the opening credits are literally written in a book, and you see the pages being turned by a very well manicured hand that is the and you see the hand physically reacting to different parts of the book and i'm just like oh movie all right this is have you never seen that kind of credits before the book i've seen by, by chance i've seen book but not with hand i feel like that's a trope from back in from they're pulling from like the 30s or 40s oh is that a thing yeah, yeah. And I, i'm not i'm not i'm not i'm not meaning to talk down to you i'm just saying like i think that's what it's specifically going for okay is like because there's even a gag in, I believe, I can't, even in, uh, I think it's Monty Python. Oh, that's oh, right. Yes, that's right. Where they do it, where there's a hand turning those pages and then the gorilla and hand And a monster hand. hand. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think yeah. it's because it's a trope from like. Gotcha. Old, the 30s. I I couldn't, I really honestly can't yeah. cite a movie right now that does it. Yeah. It, it, it is. It's also um, very much evocative of the Disney movies. Of, like, yeah, that's what it made me yeah, think of. Yeah, storybook. Yeah, because Cinderella starts off purpose, like that. Like the oh, first, wait. Because Duh. the first words you read are, once upon a time. Yeah. Right. There Isn't, was a plaid overnight case. Um, what's the terrible movie we watched? The di- terrible Disney movie um, for this podcast? Um, the hotel one? No. The one Tower we just, of Terror? We, just me and you watched. Uh, oh my gosh. Song of the South. Oh, Did yes. that start as a yes. book? Oh my gosh. Yes. started as a book. Yeah. 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 Of course. Cause yeah. Because it, it was a book. Yeah. And like that's a whole thing, I think, for that era of like, honestly, like them going, 
Well, Disney We're, started it with Snow White. Snow yeah. White opens with a book. Yeah. Cinderella opens with a yeah. book. The yes. Jungle Book opens well, with a book. I've, I've never, but they never close the book at the end of Jungle Book, which drives me nuts. So, but yeah. I, here's the thing. I, 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 I ha- I've seen credits on a book before, but just the thing with like the hand moving was so sassy. And I'm I pretty sure right. it's her hand. Huh? I'm pretty sure it's her hand. Streisand? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, you think they brought her in with for that? the nails and everything? Yeah, because the way she's doing it, she touches the lipstick and does this. But you know, it could have been Polly Platt's hand for all I know. So I, it's and also just knowing Streisand's reputation, like I, like you just know every single shot's gonna have been like done to the T. Like I, I feel weirdly stressed out for the film. No, actually, in this case, Peter Bogdanovich had a very firm hand directing it. That's what oh, I would think. Really? Yeah, I don't think. I think. Stri- in fact, if you you can see behind the scenes footage of him directing it, uh-huh. and he was actually that way to her. Oh, like he acted. There's footage of him acting out the entire piano scene with him on top of the piano. Wow! <laughs> every single classic move. scarf. I don't think he had the scarf, but oh wow. It was pre-Ascot days for him. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. This was only his third movie. Right. Really? He's a weird director. He's a very strange director. Not only that, like, his personality is sort of, like, unique. I think his choices have always... Because he started out with this movie I have yet to see. Targets. uh, That's not the first one, right? Isn't it Last Picture Show? No, Target's Targets first. Target's is the first one? Yeah. I got them reversed. Yeah, Target's... Because Target's I've seen, and it's incredible. It's Roger Corman, like, helped produce it and yeah. stuff. Yeah. And it's insane. In all this movie, you should see this. I think you'd like it, Connie. I think I've heard of Targets before. It's, Refresh my memory. It's, it's about a young kid. Like It's 1970s, I'm going to guess, or late 60s, late probably. Late 60s, yeah. it's after the war. Oh, is this about a shooter? Yeah, and he goes oh, to yeah, a dry... Yeah, yeah. Uh, like he's a, like it's like the snipers that were in Chicago or whatever. Yeah, this like this was like just after the JFK assassination, it's right? After the uh, um, shootings at University of Texas. Yeah, oh, the, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it's fascinating. And but it's there's brutal. a parallel story really? with um, Boris Karloff playing a, a horror movie actor who's retiring and tired of being cast typecast as like a monster, and okay. he's like. There's no need for monster movies now because the there's world. too much violence in the world. Yeah. And basically those two stories kind of okay. intersect at the end. And the reason that like came together apparently is that Borlas like had one more movie under his contract. And that's how they used it up. Okay. Is that Peter Bukbanovich like, came up with this idea. Really? It's a whole other movie. But I think it's strange that that's where he starred. Then he made this movie that's considered iconic. The Last Picture, Picture show. show. Which I've never seen on for And it has like cast members that have gone on to become it's, movie stars. It's mm-hmm. brilliant. It, it had like Oscar nominations all over the place. It won mm-hmm. Best Supporting Actress and Best Supporting Actor. Like mm-hmm. imagine if like Tarantino made Reservoir Dogs and then he made his second movie and it was a completely different kind of movie. Imagine that his second movie was like Titanic. Oh, it was that it's that yeah. big of a jump from interesting like horror then, directly into prestige drama, and then he's like, "I want to do a little comedy," so he does this. Yeah. I mean, he went for it, which is interesting because this kind of director to me is like what I think genre directors used to be more, where it was like you'd be a genre director, meaning you could go and try other genres. Whereas now, I feel like that's become like a niche thing to say, but it's essentially it's like like. 
I don't know what I don't know where I'm going completely with this, but like Edgar Wright, people like might consider him a, a genre director. I'm like, I don't know if I agree with you because he's sort of doing his own. It's very stylized the same, whereas a, this kind of genre director, Bogdanovich, is like, I'm fully committing to a whole other way this movie's going to, story's going to tell. And, love I, and, and I think that's that's a really apt comparison because Edgar Wright is, he's cobbling together his own film language out of movies and things that he loves. If you watch Spaced, it's pretty much nothing but visual and oral references to a zillion things. Yeah. And, uh, in the same way Peter Bogdanovich started off as a movie critic. So he wrote about movies and he interviewed people. He interviewed Orson Welles and he interviewed Howard Hawks and all the classic film directors. And he loved them and he knows their works backwards and forwards. He absorbed film the same way that Martin Scorsese did. Mm -hmm. He just had another, he just had another perspective on like playing it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Wow. Yeah, this I I mean okay. I'll nah, now it's safe to talk. I enjoyed this movie. Yay! Yeah, I really did. <laughs> like um, Barbara looks great. She's very tanned. Oh my god! Um, you understand why Barbara it, it became like a movie star? She's and crazy charming in even, this. Was she? Uh, did she blow up bigger as a singer before movies? I, th- I I was curious. It's so weird because like her career, like she, yeah, she became a singer and an actress at the same, same time. time. Like people heard of her like from singing and then the movie was right there. Oh, wow. It was just like people became a hit. She exploded out of New York and then like, then she got stuck in these prestige films. So she, not stuck, but like. She hardly got a chance to do anything smaller until something like this dropped in her lap. And they're like, you know what? You're really funny in these musicals. Why don't we put you in an actual comedy where you can be funny? Mm. That's fascinating that she rose both at the same time. That's pretty incredible. Because that just makes me think of... It makes me think of two things that one that's different and then one that's sort of similar, but didn't end up, did not have the career that Barbara did was what's her name from dream girls that got an Oscar. Oh, uh, uh Jennifer, Jennifer Hudson. Hudson. Yeah. It felt like this sort of like, it seems like a parallel trajectory, but then Jennifer Hudson didn't go anywhere. She's around, but it didn't become like, Oh, we're going to just keep pushing her in everything yeah. like this. Well, I mean, frankly, like there's not, everyone has that voice that, that Barbara Streisand had at that time. Like right. there was no one with that sound and yeah. she just managed to be in exactly the right place at exactly the right time. And not that she didn't pay her dues, but she was like, instead of having to go on like America's got whatever idols, yeah. <laughs> Instead of that is a America's great Perry version idols. for the TV for those kind of shows. It's just a show called America's Got America Idols. Idols. America's <laughs> Got Idols or whatever. You know, I'm like, yeah. She she worked it out in like little bars in Greenwich Village and whatever, and like became known there, and then just ended up in one small show where she stole the show, and then one show where she was the lead and then bang, she's a star. Mm -hmm. But that happens. That happens like, and it's never an overnight. Like it looks like overnight. It's that whole thing. You're like, but they're working at it. Yeah. I don't know why your, her career keeps making my brain pull other reference people's like that makes me think of Aubrey Plaza who was somebody in New York that kept just doing like improv and a little bit of stand up, barely any stand up came to LA 
did like one big like stand up show that had a lot of people watching. Auditioned for Parks and Rec, got it, and the next thing you know, she blew up. It was like an overnight thing. But essentially, it's like, yeah, you were still you were in New York before you came to L.A. working on whatever the hell your voice is. Yeah, just like that with Barbara. It's just like, yeah, you're new to us, so that's exciting. Yeah, but she happened to be like super young at the time too. So mm-hmm. know, like- she does look quite young in this, and it has um, Ryan O'Neill from. Uh, you think it is one with his daughter? Well, Paper Moon, but I think, I wonder if people know him better from... Love Story? Yeah. I think probably. I mean, now time, I don't know. I have never actually seen Love Story. I haven't either. I, just I haven't know the either. Quote. <laughs> I just know it that looks, stupid quote. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know the line. So it was like, mm, yeah. Which is amazing because they make fun of it in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Right away. Yeah. yeah. Or like, well, at the very end. Yeah. Spoiler. Which yeah. is great. Because we're going to spoil the hell out oh, of it. Oh, good. A good, movie good. from 1972. I if think you we haven't can spoil- seen this movie yet, go watch it right now. Um, but yeah, they make fun of that line that always weirdly infuriated me. Like uh, Barbara, go, let's just call her Barbara. Um, she goes, love means never having to say you're st- sorry, which is a line that's said to Ryan O'Neill's character. And no, love he story. actually says yeah, it. Like, oh, he I says, think he says, it. says, he says it, yeah. that line to his dying girlfriend, Allie McGraw in Love Story. Oh, Nope. And then and then he responds by saying, "That's the stupidest line I've ever heard." Yeah, he says that. That's the dumbest thing I ever. I heard. think it's really funny that That's he's commenting on a line funny. that he he said in a movie. I mean, because the whole world was probably thinking it at the time. Uh, Ryan O'Neill um, playing like an uptight. Uh, what 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 is it? A rock scientist? <laughs> he's he a musicologist. Music. Yeah, doctor of he's, music. He's a musicologist, but he's his study is in. Pre-Paleozoic Tambula rocks that are igneous rock formations. That's so insane. Okay. That's his his proposal to get the grant was that he could something, music, something, something rocks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such like high elevated like words, but it just felt like nothing. I yeah. think mostly it's just what else can we put in one of these bags? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. which is probably like another thing to say about like the synopsis is that it involves four plaid overnight cases that look exactly alike. Yeah, and they're all fabulous. And they all have different things in them. They're, Connie was so taken by the look of this movie. Everything was fabulous. Like, uh, like not only were people wearing bow ties and stuff, but they would have plaid bow ties with a matching sash. Right. And that wouldn't be the main focus Actually, of the scene. Actually, I think it's a cummerbund. What? It's a cummerbund. Yeah, What's he had that? a cummerbund. He took it off to do it on the. <laughs> did you notice that on that's, his tux? That's the, that's why you're calling a sash. This is like a thing you wear around your waist. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. called a cummerbund. cummerbund. I had no idea. And he was wearing it, and it matched, and it was hilarious. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, it matches the plaid overnight case. Yes, there I have the overnight case itself, which is fabulous. And people, well, what's so funny is it looks like a classic Louis Vuitton bag because it's it's the way it's shaped. And it's half bright red plaid, half brown leather. And what's funny is a bunch of different people have this type of bet, have this exact looking bag. And they're from all walks of life. But what's funny is it fits every single person. Like there's a rich older woman who has it filled with jewels. Yes. And then there's someone, yeah. a government guy who has it. It's filled with documents that say top secret. Yeah. And it'd yeah. be like, yeah, that's, that's what you want to hide it see. in. You want to hide it in something that's non-conspicuous. Right. It's pretty conspicuous looking. <laughs> And Barbara Streisand but you has all top her top secret true plans are in there. True. And Barbara Streisand has all her clothes in one. Yeah, Barbara Streisand has hers all in one, and then someone. Oh, and then uh, Ryan O'Neill has Howard. his rocks. 
his Howard f- Bannister. Oh yeah, and <laughs> Madeline Kahn plays his fiance in her debut role, and she's delightful. She goes out the gate, you like you get it. You're like, yep, yeah, I, we yeah. want her and everything that's yeah. a comedy. Yeah, like yeah. I, I'm like I could already tell she came from the stage, and she was just like, oh, she's so good. Madeline Kahn's so funny. Yeah, and her coloring in this was interesting because she was like a redhead. On top of that, she wore a wig that she took off a couple of times, which is fascinating. This is like a character choice for like making that character even more dowdy than yes which is probably like 23 or something playing oh, yeah. this character it's so anal very like just all about the plan yeah very shrill like so funny and um yeah uh great performances all around in this movie oh yeah and randy quaid's in it and very young randy quaid yeah. Yeah. very young randy quaid a lot of people that you'd see in mel brooks including madeline khan then yeah. there is uh the guy that plays the German, like sort of like music mixology guy. That's like up against yeah, that's, Ryan O'Neill. Um, that's Kenneth Mars. He uh, he does. He plays the Burgermeister in Young Frankenstein. In Young Frankenstein. He's uh, the playwright in the producers. Mm-hmm. He's actually the voice of Ariel's father in The Little Mermaid. King Triton. Yes. Did not know that. Uh, that's a fun little fact. There you that go. is fun. I did not know that at all. That guy's done a lot. Yeah, he's he's awesome. He plays a straight role in uh, the Parallax View with Warren Beatty. I have seen it. Which is like it's really terrifying. He's like an ex CIA guy who kind of tries to help him out, but it's a really good paranoid thriller. But cool. uh, Yeah, this movie. I uh, uh, I have to confess, I was a little confused in the beginning because they show this identical looking bag and then they they show they literally had the cameras following the bag and then all of a sudden you'll see a different person with the bag and it's supposed to signify that oh another person has this same bag but i thought that the bag was being passed around oh really oh no yeah You're crazy, kind yeah, of. like the like the shopping like the shopping bag and Jackie Brown. No, yeah, for real. <laughs> oh, I like get yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I thought it was being passed around. I'm like, oh, these guys are so slick. I didn't even see them trade it off. They're <laughs> like, oh, they didn't. Yeah, yeah, because I was crazy. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. I was crazy confused because I saw Barbara with a bag, and then I was like, oh, she's one of the government people, and then she started acting like a scammer, and I'm like, oh no, you're crazy. <laughs> That's funny. What would you say? Um, I, I had trouble, honestly, kind of making, okay. Um, we paused it cause Dave had to go to the bathroom and I turned to him, uh, Tim and I was, I basically asked, what's this movie about? Cause I was confused. <laughs> that's like what her I, motivation was. It's funny that I did not hear any of that. <laughs> he had one of your loud peas. I tried to like, and then you're like, I'm trying to summarize this movie that makes really no sense except for that. She just really, really wants to. Get Ryan O'Neill. Okay. <laughs> That's it. I mean, I, I, it's a farce. It's a farce. It's slapstick. It's a bit of dialogue. That's like Neil Simon. It's just supposed to have like one simple trajectory. And I think just things get in the way. But I think it's, it's so great because if you find something and I, I read this somewhere that like, if you find something unbelievable, don't worry because there's tons of other things happening. Mm-hmm. And it occurred to me while we were watching it, that just, it's it's in set pieces that kind of build on top of each other. Like it's all yeah. builds towards, 
you know, the first half of it builds towards destroying this hotel room. Mm-hmm. And while that's going on, you can see it setting the plates up, like what's going to spin here and here and here. The government guy has to crawl out the window because people are looking for him. And because he's crawling out the window, then at some point he'll go crashing through another window later. Right. Meanwhile, he's moving the bag here. The other guy sees it. And then other people are starting to discover what's going on. And mm-hmm. it becomes this mini chase. Mm-hmm. All the way up until the firemen come stumbling down the hallway. I um, I thought it was so funny that uh, you said this movie is about a woman who's in love with a guy and will do whatever it takes to get him. Because she does so many crazy things that I didn't see that motivation right away. And so I was trying to see it. Um, and I guess her actions make sense when you put that on top of it. But um, it's just because, like, I, I was like, is she homeless? Why is she ordering food <laughs> for people? Like, she's clearly scamming someone out of a free meal in a hotel because she uh, orders room service for a room that she's not in. And um, it's true. She doesn't really confess why she's doing it. Yeah. Up until the piano scene. And then. And even then, it's a throwaway line. She just says she's scared to go home because she's gotten kicked out of school again. And she okay. doesn't know what her father's going to do. Okay. Yeah, which is set up for later, too. Yeah. I mean, in a sense, uh, like, I'm going to equate her character, weirdly, to Aladdin, who's a street rat. <laughs> I think yeah. It's sort of like a street Except rat. Except she doesn't really she need comes to make from, any wishes. But she comes she, from money, but she's like, that's the beginning when we meet her. She's sort of a street rat. She's just, like, getting by. Yeah. As far as you know. Yeah. As far but as she yeah. doesn't seem to have any real problems, either. She's not like, yeah, people aren't chasing her. Right. Yeah, but, like, it's just... I had no idea what her motivation was. Like at first I was like, Oh, is she homeless? And she's just, you know, lit scraping by. But there's a small moment at the beginning when, when, uh, her and O'Neill cross paths for the first time mm-hmm. and where Barbara stops. It like, is the first thing that when we meet her stops her in her tracks and she looks at him mm-hmm. and placed- watches him pass. And it's like, it's that moment where it's like, here we go. That's she, what she wants. She's placing the order on the phone with room service to get, to scam room service into bringing the mm-hmm. meal up. And she says, and a coffee, hot fudge sundae. And she's, she does the ha ha Oh, that's when she when first she sees, sees him? him. Yeah. And it cuts to her watching him, hot fudge sundae. Wow. And it's just from there on, that's what she wants. Oh, I also found it fascinating that her, uh, she ordered um, hot pastrami on rye. Roast beef sandwich on rye. A roast beef. Roast Mustard beef. on top, mayonnaise on the bottom. Yeah, it's such a New York order. I, I love, love it. It. Ugh, it sounds so good right now. I know it does. It's, I'm like, <laughs> let's go to Cantor's. Right. Um, but yeah, and she orders that meal twice. Yeah. That's fascinating. Because it comes later. <laughs> the guy comes to set yeah. up the thing and say, two, hot, two roast beefs on rye, mustard on top. <laughs> and, they, and they cut him off. And he's like, yeah. I The side characters in this movie were wonderful. Like the uh, there's a chase scene that's kind of like a mad mad world. Yeah, it's the such the second set piece. Yeah, yeah it's the big finale. Kind yeah, of. like and everyone like kind of steals a car in a different way. Like someone gets in a cab, it's like follow that car, and uh, this other guy randomly gets in a car, is like F- I'm with the government, follow them, and he's like, and the guy driving is like okay, and he says it in the happiest voice. He's so excited. <laughs> yeah, I thank you for pointing that out because it's so it's, it's so amazing. He is, he is having a all, all the way through it, he's just laughing and giggling yeah. every time they do anything. Like, I consider him, like I said it b- before, I was like, 
that old man who's just like, all right, and goes the whole distance of even driving his own car into the ocean. Yeah. Um, and then rescuing the guy that ordered him to do it. him yeah. is the personification of really living in the moment. Like, that guy is just like, whatever comes my way. He's like, oh, the government. Well, then you're paying for all this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was so fun. It was, yeah, he did it gleefully. Like, it was as if he woke up and was like, you know what? Today's the day you start saying yes. And yeah, it just that's took it. off. And I think that's what they, they made that choice. And it just like it worked so well and so funny. Well, yeah, and you're right. Like every little minor character, the cab driver in the very first mm-hmm. scene is like when Barbara Streisand like steps in front of their car mm-hmm. and they, and Brian O'Neill's all worried that his rocks might have gotten damaged. Yeah. And it's like, oh my igneous rocks. And the cab driver's like I know what you mean, fella. I hate when my igneous rocks are even touched. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right off the bat, the minor characters like chiming in. Yeah. yeah. And they do that throughout the entire the entire movie. I love, I love that. it like this time era too, like and I think it is really a callback to these thirties and uh and like forties movies, is that all these so many side characters have silly voices. Either it's really extreme verge German, which Two of them essentially oh, did yeah. have. Was it German or was it Russian? Fritz. Or, uh, yeah. I well, there's Fritz at the hotel. And then oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Kenneth Marsh, Hugh Simon. Yeah. And it's so funny to me that they're like, that's a staple sort of of that mm-hmm. that kind of movie of, in a slapstick. It's like, yeah, we need a foreigner with a silly fucking voice. Well, and apparently the, the Hugh Simon character is based on um, a film critic who was like around at the time. I think it's John Simon, but I could be wrong. That's but awesome. He was apparently of Croatian descent. And that's why he's he says, I'm Croatian at one point. Oh, that's oh. great. That's so funny. He's him, him being like so worried about his hair all the time was so f- perfect. Ugh, and then the the scene in, when you first meet him and he meets Austin Pendleton and just grabs him by both hands and refuses to let go of oh, him. Oh yeah, he yeah. keeps twirling him, dancing him around the room. <laughs> not him Brian O'Neill, that's hilarious. There's a the part when okay, Austin Pendleton's character comes in and he basically has Woody Allen's haircut from the seventies. And it's amazing. And what's funny is that one character is like, I love your hair. I love your hair. Moments like that like, make oh me go, boy. is that improvised? Or is that, that had to be improvised. Right? That I, I want to say that it must be. but Yeah, there's no way that was scripted. Because there was like... There's no way the the guy writing was looking at cast photos and be like, oh, you know what? Let's talk about that goofy hair he's got. Well, that guy was like a known character. I don't know that car- that actor's name that played him. Pendleton? Austin Pendleton. Pendleton. Is that his, the actor's name you're saying? Yeah, that's but, the actor's yeah. name. He's great. He's been in so many. He, I mean, he's the vi- one of the main villains in the Muppet movie. <laughs> he's, he's the one, one that has the oh, frog. Yeah, that's he, he owns, right. He owns the frog restaurants. He's he's that's like so Charles Durning's like henchman or yeah, whatever. Henchman, yeah. Yeah, he's he was in the original cast of uh, Fiddler on the Roof. Mm-hmm. Ah. That was where he started, and uh, he's one of the fish in Finding Nemo. He's Fun. the neurotic fish in Finding Nemo. <laughs> of course, that's yeah. perfect. And he had yeah, everyone in this movie had a like a great look. He had that he had that Woody Allen hair, but he was also always dressed in all white. 
like a mm-hmm. Tom Wolf character. And he, yeah, everyone was so just like popped. Like they were so memorable. He's like, yeah, like an eccentric millionaire or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with mm-hmm. his silly house in San Francisco, which was funny because it was like the exterior clearly was on location in San Francisco. Yeah, it Francisco. looked like one of the full house houses. Yeah, and immediately yeah. they walk in, you know it's a set. And, and it's, it's so eccentric. Set. Yeah. yeah, like a clear staircase. <laughs> All the pop art and everything. Yeah, so you're like, oh, he's good. They, and they look, I like how they kind of made fun of it when someone falls on a statue of like, it's made out of rings and it collapses like those magician rings. Yeah. Oh, that's right. They had a lot of gas. In that big like fight oh. scene, uh, the sh- the painting of feet that swung over and oh hit, yeah, a giant painting of a foot hit someone in the face. After the old lady maid like fires off the gun randomly. Oh, oh. my god! I just realized that old lady maid. Um, I saw her. They parodied her in an American Dad cartoon. Really? <laughs> yeah, because I was like. Oh my God, her! I don't know if you remember when the the old maid because she has a very distinct look, and because um, I was like. She looks like the cartoon that's drawn after her in the cartoon, but I just like, oh my god, it's her! And then, yeah, if you watch this movie, um, I'm sure they pull intend- out your American Dad box set. Yes, <laughs> yes, do a side by side. It's delightful. Anyway, she has a very memorable look. Everyone in this movie has a very memorable look, and I'm surprised. Um, this is a little unrelated, but uh, I how hard I laughed at all the physical comedy. There's a lot of it too. Like as much as there's a lot of wordplay, it's like I love all the Yeah, they literally do the two guys walking with the glass bit and I laughed so fucking hard at it that. It was great. It was a, I mean I, you see it coming, but then they just they surprise you by just keeping it going longer in this one. Yeah, and it they was like a, it a couple back it. and forths. Yeah, it was and just done how, well. I and I love how they um, they'll throw in bits in the middle of that. Like so, while you're worried about this this pane of glass that's crossing the road, mm-hmm. you're also seeing them come up the street. And mm-hmm. because Barbara Streisand and Ryan O'Neill are on an, on an impossible little grocery delivery bicycle that has run out of steam and is now barreling backwards down yeah. the hill. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone crashes into this VW van, mm-hmm. like one after another yeah. after another. Yeah, sometimes multiple times when they're backing up. Yeah, and like, it's just, that could have just been a thing by itself that happens. Yeah. But they have to go back and show the owner of the van come running out of his apartment, run down to the street and open it, and then you see the van tilt over. What I love is he didn't run out like because he heard it getting hit. It it looked like he ran out because he was like, I'm late. And went to open his door in the car and it just <laughs> fell apart. Rolls over and you see both wheels are kind of right next to each other. Yeah. yeah. It was so good. Like it was so like, crazy. it was like flattened. It was amazing. I loved all of that. And then, um, the, and then that builds into the judge, which I like, this is the judge is the one scene I, I had seen without ever seeing this movie just mm-hmm. like because it was like randomly on TV because I just love that dumb joke where he's talking to the bailiff about his pills about his pills and oh, he's yeah. just like do you know what this yellow pill's for what's it for to remind me to take this blue pill what's the blue pill for I don't know they, <laughs> they won't tell me I just think that's so funny and he just plays it so earnestly yeah everything, yeah, everything he does is like he's so pathetic yeah. But, yeah but he's got to be in charge I just love that point like after he like yells at everyone to shut up and he's like you made me smash my lifesavers <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and you just see the little crumbs all over the place. Yeah, it was so good, but it makes total sense now why he's so neurotic, and it's such a yeah. perfect buildup because you find out that um, 
Barbara is his her is his daughter. Yes. yes. And you're like, that's why that guy's fucking on edge all the time. He's yeah. like, live with that. As yeah. soon as all those people came in, he should have probably just been thinking, oh, it's Judy. Yeah. So, <laughs> Judy's behind this somehow. I don't know how. Yeah. And she cleverly tries to hide herself by uh, covering herself with a blanket. Right? A prison style blanket. Yeah. You in the blanket. You seem to have caused all this. <laughs> of course. Uh, and with a dumb. The. Yeah. The whole stand, the judge stand, falls apart. <laughs> so awesome. Oh, yeah. So funny and oh, weird. And I don't know if you caught it, but the guy that's the arresting officer that brings them into the... Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a Walsh, right? Yeah, Emmett Walsh, yeah. yeah. Great, great character actor. He's like the sleazy detective in Blood Simple. He's oh. uh, Harrison Ford's boss in Blade Runner. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, every, yeah everyone on in this was just like on it. Like just solid yeah. performances all around. I love uh, Sorrel Book, the guy who played. Uh, he's the house detective in the hotel. Like I think he's really. Oh, funny. that guy's so funny. He, he played he, Boss Hog in in Dukes of Hazard. You know who's weirdly had a good performance, even though it was brief, was the manager of the hotel who was kicking out Ryan O'Neill. Oh, John Hillerman. Yeah, yeah. the guy that's the butler from a uh, uh, Magnum, Magnum P.I. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I thought that scene was great because he's just so calm. <laughs> he's he's just like so calm in the middle of disaster. Mm-hmm. I have a message for you from the staff of the hotel. Goodbye. What is it? <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> so good. That's the whole message. Yeah. There's, it, we would appreciate it if you Very sharp that. movie, like, and it holds up. I have my one qualm with it. What? And it's and it's picky. And Connie knows me. Oh, I'm very just picky. Mm-hmm. It's that I don't. I wish that the how you're pointing out that there's those set pieces. It builds up to the hotel. It builds up to the crash into the bay. It builds up into the judge crashing. Yeah. I wish those would have be like a little. I wish there was. Like it would like even in the lows, I wish it would rather than how it cut and it felt like we restarted, it would just flow more and just keep that pace up. It does. That's like, what I wanted more of is like that from from the hotel being destroyed and the manager walking in. I wanted the pace to continue through, but it's a small thing. I don't think it ruins this movie. It was just like uh, I love this pace when you get fast. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it it's just. If you ever see it in a movie theater too, like, that's what I was gonna say. It's like I think this movie is perf- would be perfect on the big screen. Yeah, because those lull, like those lulls, aren't quite so pronounced when everyone's laughing so hard. Right. Usually, by the time that you end that hotel room scene, the audience will be like so loudly laughing that you kind of need that little breather of the like pan across the burned room before John Hillerman sure. comes in and everything. That makes total sense, but. Um, I would love to see this like in a new Beverly screening or something oh, yeah, like that. Oh yeah, definitely. If they show it, we should totally go. I would I totally would, go yeah. see Fun. this movie. And I haven't seen it on a big screen since I was five, wow. maybe. And then you, you told us that you've been watching it on VHS for years. I've There's parts this that movie. you couldn't even see because of the VHS. Oh my god, yeah, I owned this movie on VHS and then on Laserdisc and then on DVD and now on Blu-ray. So, Laserdisc. Yeah, wow. I was there for that. Wow. The 90s. <laughs> the halcyon days. Yeah. When, when you wanted to have your love of movies so pronounced that you would carry around giant albums that look like CDs. Well, now we have movie swag. <laughs> That's how you show your love for movies. Yeah. yeah. Like I have a Love Witch uh, velvet bag that's literally filled with uh, ingredients to do a, a Wiccan love spell. 
Um, Did it come with all that stuff? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Well, it wasn't part of the Love Witch movie, but it it was branded all that stuff. Anyway. Does it yeah. involve like you having to pee in a jar and all that? No, it doesn't have a witch's jar, which uh-huh. is insane. But um, it, yeah, it has all the pretty elements of it. <laughs> yeah. But my, oh, um, back to the movie. My only qualm with it was that um, I guess Barbara Streisand's character, uh, it took me a little too long. I don't know. Maybe I wasn't paying close enough of attention, but I, I just had trouble wrapping my mind around what her motivation was. Cause it was, she was kind of all over the place at first. And then like after a while, yeah, it became clear she's in love, but I don't, I, I don't know. I think, I think cause I got confused in the very beginning. Yeah. Like I thought she was a scammer and I guess she kind of was, but I guess I would say that maybe that's just a little bit of like, and this is not, this is an it's 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 more of those those choices to make it more subtle mm-hmm. or of its time and sort of now like I don't know it just seems like that's I don't know it worked. I would ha- I I would have to say probably they felt like they could shorthand a lot of stuff because 99% of the people who were coming into the movie theater to see it knew who Barbara Streisand was without a doubt and mm-hmm. had a very clear idea from TV specials of like what her personality was going to be like or whatever. I don't think it rides on that, but mm-hmm. I think the confidence that she just like approaches, I, just, I mean, I just kind of like to think she's just one of those people who like enjoys screwing around with people and seeing what she can get away with. Kind yeah, of. I think that's very clear. I would agree with that. Just mm. that whole seduction scene in the in the drugstore doesn't necessarily seem like she's stalking him as much as she's amused at how much she can rattle him. Mm, yeah. Yeah, she was definitely very charming in this. Yeah, and I've never seen anyone more gracefully sleep on top of a piano. Right? Yeah, very she soundly. She'd be very still. And yeah. they had sex in front of a painter. Right, yeah. <laughs> or something. <laughs> or implied. It is rated it's implied, G. Yeah, I felt like I lowered the bar like by bringing a G-rated movie. I'm like, no, there's no, there's no dirty talk at all. No, this. Song of the South is. Yeah, we watched the chi- a chipmunk movie. Yeah, right? come on, which is You're great. Not any, any okay. Bar. Well then, <laughs> with that said, though, there is no bar. <laughs> Let's rate it. Um, I we would, do a rating system oh. that's once, twice. Or multiple. Meaning, is this the one time we're done? We'll watch it once. Well, we'll give it another try. Or we're up for watching it multiple times. Um, I would definitely watch it again because I feel like there's stuff I missed. And it's visually gorgeous. Um, I'm going to go multiple because I think uh, I would see it at the big screen. And if somebody else, if somebody else wanted to watch it and I was, I'd watch it again. I would definitely enjoy it showing this to someone. Yeah, it's a simple movie. I am always enough. up for watching this movie. <laughs> you don't. You have I mean, that's no why idea you it. the level of restraint that it took me not to just recite all the dialogue. You did it a couple of times. <laughs> I know, but, but you I don't like, mind when I'm like that's half the fun sometimes of watching a movie. Or something oh that, man, that I, I knew love. something special was happening because I've watched movies as Tim before, and usually like we become our own little mystery science theater and we start talking through the movie. <laughs> oh my god! But this when. I would even ask a question like, who's that? It'd be like, pause, pause. We need to go back. 
Okay. <laughs> it was the first time a guest had ever asked us to back it up. I am yeah. so sorry. No, no it was like, amazing. Don't the last time you're on this you, show. No. You are a guest. You should demand our attention in the movie that you brought. I was, no, it's just like, it's so fascinating because I've seen movies with you before and I've never seen you be that careful about a movie. And I was like, wow. But that oh, care, well, that, I, I like that. I like that you care so much about oh, no, it. That it was you're great. Like wanting to get our attention. I think that's a high value. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's definitely like, it's a movie that. That it has it has a pacing and a and like the way the dialogue builds on itself is like different than the way it's used now because it's especially like a throwback to the forties where like everything is going to be important like later on everything that they're saying right. so mm-hmm. like they'll say a joke here that will come in later or there'll be like some really subtle wordplay that's hilarious if you like. Let it build a little bit. And mm-hmm. it's just like, meh. Totally. Yeah. But I think you were right to get our attention. I now have no problems with that. <laughs> so before we wrap up, um, Tim, we have one, uh, one last question for you. Um, since this podcast is about that me and Connie will watch anything once, what we want to know about you, though... Is what is a, a movie, a genre? You can go as broad or specific to like one single actor movie or anything. What is something that you tend to avoid or will like will not watch? What will I not watch? <laughs> <sighs> Freddie got fingered. <laughs> what? I'm, that like, I'm like specifically not interested in watching that movie or the human centipedes. I have uh, no, I love horror movies, but like that doesn't seem like that just seems like me in a horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. You like you just why, why that so much over other horror movies? Um, because I feel like I already know what it is, and it just seems like a movie where like I don't want to watch a horror movie where the scariest thing that can happen is someone has to go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, and that's what that seems yeah, like right. to me. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't happen, but it seems like that probably happens. Right. I've seen it. it you're not I haven't missing, seen it myself. You're not missing a thing. Oh, good. I was I, mad at myself afterwards. I read it uh, about it on Wikipedia just because out of my curiosity, and that did oh, it yeah. for me. Yeah, I, I won't watch the uh, Zack Snyder Man of Steel films. I won't watch the... You haven't seen any of them? I won't see any of them. Are you seeing the other superhero movies? I'm seeing the seeing Marvel movies, and okay. it's not Wonder Woman. But I have no interest in Zack Snyder's point that, of view. That version of Superman. <laughs> I, I mean, I've me. seen them and I'm not either. But. So, like, I know because I'm a huge DC nerd. So, it's For like, sure. it's really painful to be like, I can't watch these movies because they will hurt me. Mm. Wow. Strong feelings. Yeah, I like Superman. You hear that, Zack Snyder? <laughs> He's all like, I don't care. I he got millions get, of got dollars money. from everybody else. Exactly. <laughs> why, why Freddy got fingered? Is it like Tom Green? Or uh, just what you I think it's just the reputation. Actually that was just like a that it was like a jokester remark. Uh, like that's like, oh, that was funny back in nineteen ninety eight. So let's say that. <laughs> and I'm calling it out you like a really Yeah, idea. yeah, exactly. No, I have no idea that I just I just said that because I thought it would sound funny. It's funny because I just read an article briefly what, what, uh, not an article per se, but just like a thing on slash film that was like talking to f- to uh, Tom Crean about why that movie failed in the box office. And there's a crazy theory about it. 
that he has is that it didn't fail because he didn't have an audience. It was because his audience was too young to see an R-rated movie. Mm. So what they were doing is, at the same time what came out, was the third Crocodile Dundee. The Crocodile Dundee in L.A. And apparently his audience, who couldn't get the ticket for the R-rated, would buy tickets for Crocodile Dundee and sneak in to Freddy Got Fingered. Because they were getting reports that they had full audiences, but the ticket sales were low. That's like the little little murder. made box office excuse for uh, Starship Troopers was kind of the same thing like Disney re-released The Little Mermaid the same weekend that Starship Troopers came out and a bunch of kids went to see Starship Troopers because they bought tickets to The Little Mermaid and then snuck into Starship Troopers. Wow. wow that's funny. Starship Troopers was a good movie that holds up. I like yes, that movie. It was. It, <laughs> it is. It did it not uh, did it fail at the box office? It didn't like, perform super well but I saw it three times opening weekend oh, so cool. I don't know what they're talking about. I think I didn't about. see it until actually released on video to be honest but Starship remember, Troopers? Have you seen it? I are we talking about the same movie? Yeah, it's amazing. I think it's a great actually a great action movie and it's like comic commentary. It's a satire, yeah. Very good satire. I saw it in theaters. Me and my friend were just like, the fuck did we just watch? Oh, <laughs> I think so it's such a smart satire. Good. Yeah, I love that. Action movie. satire. It has one of my favorite Mormon jokes in it. Because there's like a there's a, a part where like yes. um, a Mormon like Fort Saint Joe, yeah Saint Joe like went and tried to like thought that they could have a population like or like a you just see the aftermath of a aftermath of them like trying to like go conjugate to these bugs or whatever and they're all uh, dead it's fucking hilarious I thought oh maybe I should rewatch I it. think it might stand I, for a rewatch yeah. okay. Uh, I can watch that anytime too. Yeah, I think it's a. I think it's a That's good. What I love. I go from a good What's one. Up Doc to Starship Troopers, and they're Interesting. all Interesting. Awesome. Okay, maybe I'll give it another shot. And maybe at some point I'll watch Freddy Got Fingered. I don't know. I'm curious about it, but who knows when that's I, ever going to come up? Yeah. I've seen it. I saw it in college because this guy I was dating was like, "You got to give it a chance." <laughs> what's weird is, um, uh. I don't know. It wasn't as bad as I thought it would be, but it was nothing like, let's watch it again. Right. It wasn't like, because I love the Jackass movies, but Freddie got fingered. I was just like, all right. It's, it, I mean, it's not, it, it didn't make me angry, but it didn't make me like, I don't remember laughing that hard either. Yeah. I don't think it would be like kids in the hall brain candy, which is like. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, it's its own brand of comedy. And yeah, I, and that's I one where I was like one of three people in the theater to watch that. Oh, like, yeah, three people the, are the smartest people in LA. That's fine. We all have those movies, movies we love that other people don't care about. Spice World. <laughs> Mine's The Fountain. I saw that movie by myself. Oh, that's okay. I saw it in the theater. I don't feel sorry for you. <laughs> I thought it was great. Um, but that's it. Um, I want to thank you, Tim. Oh, thanks. Really a great... Uh, thank you for introducing us to What's Up, Doc, and bringing us the Blu-ray to watch. Super fun movie. Oh, thank yeah, you super. so much for having me. Oh, really it was a pleasure. Uh, is there anywhere that if people want to like follow you and want more, hear more from you, is there anything you'd like to plug? Uh, let our audience know? I Even don't have anything right now, but... Uh, Working on a musical with a friend of mine who's a composer. So as soon as we get that going, it'll be up and running. Great. I, well, I, how can they stay like in touch if they're interested in just possibly um, an update? Is there a Twitter? Instagram, yeah, I have a Twitter handle. It's uh, T-I-G-G-L-E-G. So Tiggle G. And that's my, Fantastic. That's, my, Great. that's my Twitter handle. All right. Everybody follow Tim. Um, 
And to all of our listeners out there, we want to just thank you for listening. Um, you can follow us, of course, on Twitter, Instagram, um, Snapchat, which we never use. But yeah, you uh, forget you have what? It. What is it? Um, What's the handle, Tony? At I W W A O. There we go. IWWAO you can if you have questions for Connie or want to suggest movies even though we're winding down right now this is the third of I think we only have how many episodes after this are coming um, 29th the 29th is going to be our final episode of the podcast um, so we're winding down but feel free to email us at I will watch anything once at gmail.com or um, any direct message on any of those platforms I'll be happy to hear from you um, but again thank you again for listening uh, we highly appreciate it and remember if you haven't seen it once then you can't complain Hello, listeners. Welcome to the back to I Will Watch Anything Once. (laughs) I'm going to start that up. Hello, 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 hello. You weren't. I know you weren't. Uh, All right, let's try that again. This is all being recorded. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to I Will Watch Anything Once. Yay. <laughs> I got to start again. I got to start again. I got the giggles because Ben's laughing at me. Um, <laughs> I'm not blaming you for my talking weird. This has been a Boardwalk Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit BoardwalkAudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.